I want you to know uh, that I guess I want you to pray for me. All right, I have signed up. Uh, Andrew over there. Andrew, you want to wave at us? He was, you know, one of the ones on the video. He is VP of uh, MANA Worldwide, and somehow he continually cons me into doing crazy things like this. I've already had many of you asking me, well, are you going to get sick like you did last time? And my answer is, I hope not. All right, so I'm enlisting you to pray uh, for us. Is there about eight guys that are going to be hiking the next uh, 11 days or so, and I'm excited about it. Um, I am, if you don't know, there is, and you can, you can look this up, there are what people have termed as um, seven spiritual pathways to, to Christ. Uh, I am one that falls, and I'm not going to go over them. I'm going to give you the one I am. I'm, I'm one of those that falls into the category of uh, either you could term it as a creationist or a naturalist, that I feel most connected to God in nature in his creation. And so I'm looking forward to getting away a little bit, hiking. Uh, but the reason we're hiking, as is mentioned, uh, right during COVID, they bought this orphanage. Man, I bought this orphanage uh, in the Philippines, and it's time to open it up. It's time to get everything ready, all the gear, the beds, everything that needs to happen needs to happen quickly. And because there are many kids uh, that need a home. And so that's why we're doing it. I want you to know that the board has already voted to match every dollar that you give uh, through the church offering up to $5,000, all right? So uh, if you give in your normal routine of giving, uh, whether that's an envelope or online, maybe it's cash, but if you give online or an envelope, just mark on there MANA14, and uh, then we will double that for you, all right? Now, they've set up to $5,000, excuse me, Wow, they threw me out. But $5,000. But I think that if you give more than $5,000, that maybe we can twist their arms a little bit and they'll match more. What do you guys think? Let's put a little pressure on them. You think they could do that? Yeah? All right. So we'll, we'll see. But you got to do your part. Okay? You got to do your part. You can also just go onto Amanda's website. You can give through there. It's just not going to get matched there. Okay? Um, I, and so pray for us. It's going to be an exciting trip. Um, I also want you to pray for... Uh, we have a team right now that's in Honduras, and uh, they have, I don't know if you've been able to follow their pictures on Hallmark Student Ministry, been sharing them on the, uh, Hallmark's Facebook page, I've been sharing them on my personal page, but uh, they uh, got delayed in Miami a little while, and they finally got to Honduras, and they've spent this week there just ministering to MANA kids there in Honduras, and so I'm thankful for them. But pray for them as they uh, fly back, they are supposed to land tomorrow evening, late in the evening, so pray, you know, all the flights and all the connections and all that. Just pray for their safety, um, and, and we're thankful for them. If, if you're new at Hallmark, what you, you need to know is that this church loves the gospel, and this church loves to share the gospel, not just locally, but globally. Do you realize that over 30% of our annual budget goes to, to missions? To reach the lost for Christ. Some of that locally, most of that is, is globally. And so I'm thankful that one of our, really one of our core values is that we want to be known for being radically generous. And you know, uh, this September, the last Sunday of September, we're celebrating the 75th anniversary of this church. Pretty amazing. I was just a little boy when we started, but uh, 75 years. And there has been a legacy for most of those years of being 
radically generous. And I pray that we will continue that legacy of radical generosity. So thank you for your prayers on this trip. Thank you for giving. And uh, if you're new, you may not know. My name's John, by the way. I'm blessed to serve as a pastor here. We are in week seven, as you can see on the screen here, of a series called Final Destination. And we are giving you like a flyover view of the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation was written by the apostle John. Uh, They say that he was exiled to the island of Patmos really as a Roman, as a prisoner of the Roman government because he wouldn't stop preaching the name of Jesus and wrote this book uh, under the revelation of Jesus Christ to himself uh, in about AD 95. Now, what we want you to know and what we, really it's the mission of the church, right? When Jesus ascended into the heavens and one of the last things he said was go make disciples, you're going to receive power and go to the whole world, go to all the nations, preach the gospel, preach what I've, I've taught you. And, and that's our goal. We want to make disciples. We want to lead people to find and follow Jesus, not only here in our community, but across the world. And, and it comes down to really this statement that's on the screen, final destination, because what we believe Scripture teaches us is that we are eternal beings. Scripture says that God has written eternity on our hearts, and that's why we cannot be completely and fulfilled and satisfied on earth. That's why Solomon had everything he could have, riches, women, wealth, whatever he wanted. And he said the summarization of his life, pursuing everything the world had to offer was, it's all vanity. It's meaningless. Because we were created on purpose for a purpose. We're all going to spend an eternity somewhere. We're going to spend an eternity in a place of punishment or a place of paradise, in heaven, in the presence of God, or in hell, outside the presence of God. And what we as a church want you to do, really the the main reason we have spent the last six weeks going through this book entitled The Revelation is because we want you to be prepared for your final destination. The only way that you can have entrance into heaven to be, like like we would term, as you think in the terms of flying, the only way you can have your reservation for this final destination is to listen to the words of Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one gets to the Father. This is the final destination we want. No one gets to that destination, God, except by coming through Jesus. Paul expounded on that and he said, for by grace you are saved. It's through faith. It's a gift of God. It's not of works lest we would be prideful, like look what I have accomplished. And so we want everyone in this room, everyone outside in our community, everyone across the world to to have it settled. Have you made your reservation for your final destination? Are you going to spend an eternity in heaven? And at the close of the service, I'm going to give you a chance, if you're not sure about that, to make that decision. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, we've, we've went over this verse every week pretty much, and it gives us like the basic structure of the entire book. He says in Revelation 1, 19, Jesus talking to John, write the things which you have seen. He's referencing chapter 1. John got to see the resurrected Christ in the throne room. 
the next section, and the things which are. And this is really referencing chapter 2 and 3. These are the seven letters to the seven churches, the present time as he was writing. And then he says, and the things which will take place after this. And this pretty much covers the rest of the book. Okay? And so I want to give you, we showed this last week, uh, and I, you may want to get your phone out if you weren't here and take a picture. This is a basic timeline of Revelation or the end times or the big theological word eschatology. Okay, if you're up on the study of pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib, this, would, uh, this timeline would be based on pre-tribulation rapture view of eschatology. Okay, and again, I said that's what I believe. There are many people that don't agree with me on that. And it doesn't really, in the long run, matter. What's going to matter is if I'm wrong and we are here during that seven-year tribulation period, we're going to have to make a stand for Christ. It's going gonna, it's gonna to become very clear which of us in the room are actually true followers of Christ because what we see in the tribulation period is that in order to be a follower of Jesus, you're either going to have to hide or you're going to die. It's, it's plain and simple that way, all right? But this, this timeline shows uh, a pre-tribulation view of eschatology, all right? So we have been through 14 of the 21 judgments. Okay, so the judgments we see that in this timeline, the seven-year tribulation period, Revelation 6 through 18, we have been through 14 of those 21, and they're broken up into three sets of seven. First was the seven seals. Remember, there was asked, and John was crying, who can open up the seals? Is anyone worthy? And no one was worthy, chapter 4, but then Jesus steps up, and he takes the scroll from the right hand of the Father, and he pronounces the judgments. Then there's seven angels, and they have seven trumpets, and these trumpets just represent seven more judgments of God. Today, we're going to look at the seven bowls, all right? These are the next seven, the last seven judgments of God. Remember what we continue to say. God's judgment is not without purpose. God's judgment is, is meant to bring us to repentance, just as a follower of Jesus, Hebrews says that if, if I'm a follower of Jesus, he's going to discipline me so that I will straighten up. It's for my good and for his glory. But judgment here is, is always going to be towards repentance. God is wanting, and we're, we're, going, to, we're going to get in that a little deeper in this, all right? So let's, we're going to read Revelation 15. It's just eight verses. As we read through this, I'm just going to kind of explain a few things as we go, and then we're going to quickly get into chapter 16, and chapter 16, it just like quickly goes through the seven judgments. These seven bold judgments just come like very quickly, rapidly, one after the other, all right? Verse number one of chapter 15, then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having seven last plagues. For in them, the wrath of God is, what's the word there? It's through, it's complete, it's finished. It's the same word used in John chapter 19, verse 30. And if you've been in church very long, you probably know. Kids that are, I know we have family worship, you probably even know these three words. When, when Jesus on the cross, there was three words that he finally stated. It was the last three words, and they were, it is what? Finished. It is finished. The same word, complete. All right? So 
and on the cross, John chapter 19, it's the redemptive plan of God. It is finished. Here we're talking about the wrath of God is being poured out. It's coming to a completion. Verse 2. I saw something like a sea of glass. And remember we said in, in Revelation, most oftentimes sea here just represents a lot of people. All right? A sea of humanity. Sea of glass mingled with fire. And those, so we'll see who those people are in a moment, those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having, here's where we get the picture, you know, you always see the picture of people playing harps in heaven, okay? Well, it says right here, what are they going to be, what are they going to have? Harps of God. And what are they going to do? They sing, okay? Who are those people it's referencing? Specifically talking, I believe, of the martyrs, those who have died during the tribulation period. There's going to be a lot of people who give their life to Christ during the tribulation period. We've already noticed, right, the, the 144,000, the two witnesses, the angels. There's, there's going to be a proclamation of gospel to all nations, and many of them are going to be murdered because of their followers of Jesus. And here's what they're doing in heaven with their harps. Verse 3, they sing the song of who? Who's the song of? Moses. Apparently Moses is the author of this song, but he maybe is only the co-author because it says the servant of God and the song of the who? Who is the lamb referencing here? Jesus, all right? So apparently Moses and Jesus co-author a song. You want me to sing it for you today? Yes or no? I, I don't know the tune, so I can't, all right? It's not in here, okay? It's not like the old hymn book that has the, the lines and everything, right? How many of you could read music in the old hymn book? All I did was like, I could see that it was going up and down. That's all I knew, all right? That's it. I don't know why I'm telling you that. Again, Moses represent the law. Jesus representing love and grace. And what are they singing? There's three things they point out in this song. I'm going to give you the three things, as, and that way when we read it, you'll see it. They're praising and worshiping his works, his ways, and his worth. The same reason we should stand in here in this service and sing. Because of his works, because of his ways, and because of his worth. Here's what they say. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways. O King of the saints, who shall not fear you? Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship. Why would they worship him? Because he is worth it. Is Jesus worthy of a worship? Yes or no? Yes, he is. For your judgments have been manifest. After these things, verse 5, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. Out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures, remember we looked at that in Revelation chapter 4, they gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls. Here's the bowls. Full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God. And from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. 
And so chapter 15 is just going to give us the backstory, what's taking place. And now in chapter 16, we're going to see these seven judgments poured out, pictured by seven bowls, the wrath of God. All right, so look at verse number one. And again, we're going to just walk through this pretty quickly, and I'm, I'm going to give you four points of application at the end. So verse 1, chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went, he poured out his bowl upon the earth, and foul and loathsome sore came upon the men. But who, wh- which men did this you know, maybe you'd reference like in, in the sixth plague in Egypt, it was boils. It was similar to this. And who received this, this pain? It said, those who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Again, as we looked last week, as followers of Christ, during the last three and a half years of the tribulation period, you're going to have to make a choice. Either you're going to follow Christ and not receive the mark of the beast, whatever that might be, and there's a million things you could think it might be. You know, it may be my, my Apple Watch because it's on my wrist and I have to use it to scan. I mean, it could be a thousand things, right? But if you choose not to get the image of the beast, the mark of the beast, the number 666 as we read last week, then you won't be involved in the one world government, one world religion, and you're going to be killed. But those who have received the mark of the beast, it says here, that's who the judgments, that's who this first bowl judgment, the boils, if you will, will affect. It's similar to Egypt. Remember, in Egypt, the Egyptians received the boils. The Israelites did not. All right? Let's keep reading. So the first, uh, excuse me, verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood, As of a dead man, every living creature in the sea died. Again, just quickly, it's going to go into the next one. Then the third angel poured out the bowl on the rivers of the springs and water, and they became blood. And again, I heard heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of the saints or the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. For it is their just due. Then verse 7, And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And so as the judgments are being poured out, the voices from heaven are saying, You are true and righteous. You're righteous, you are just. People are getting what they deserve. Let's talk about that for a moment. What do I deserve? And what do you deserve? I'm a sinner. You know what I deserve? The same punishments they're getting. That's what I deserve. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of my sin, the punishment, what I deserve for my sin is is death, it's punishment, it's judgment. And so they're just proclaiming, they're getting what they deserve. It's, It's what I deserve. 
Verse number eight. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given him to scorch men with fire. We may be in this bowl right now. I'm not sure. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, whose power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. I want you to, I want you to mark something in your, maybe on your device. Maybe you actually have a printed Bible. There's three phrases that show up. Verse 9, verse 11, verse 21. These phrases say they blaspheme the name of God. In the midst of the judgments, they blaspheme the name of God. And remember what we've said. Discipline and judgment are always meant to bring us to repentance. Repentance always brings us back into fellowship with God. And in, in the midst of these judgments, this is the first time we see it, verse 9, but we're going to see it again in 11, we're going to see it again in verse 21, that in the midst of these final judgments of God, the final wrath of God pouring on the earth, to those who have chosen not to be followers of Jesus, they blaspheme God. And then it continues in verse 9. Uh, they blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Same thing in verse number 11. They did not repent. We read last week, 2 Peter 3, 9. I think we've mentioned it a few times simply says, the Lord's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. The judgment of God is always wanting to pull us back to himself. That we'd repent. And what does that word repent mean? It just means 180. Turn and take a different direction. Turn from your sin and yourself and turn to God. But in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Last week, I read 2 Peter 3, 10, and through the following rest of the chapter. Now, I said 1 Peter 3, 10, and you guys were confused. you guys remember that? Okay. I was standing here like, I know everyone in the room is confused, but I could not figure out what I said wrong, right? I, my note said 1 Peter 3, 9, and that's what I sent to the people on the computer, so that's why it was wrong up there. It's all my fault, okay? I said, I'm a sinner, all right? I mess up. But notice from verse 9, he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But then verse 10 of 2 Peter 3, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. There will come a day when the, the wrath of God will be poured out upon mankind. And I believe the only reason that the wrath of God has not been poured out like what we see here is that God is still calling men to repentance. What does that mean for you today? That means today, if you have not given your life to Jesus, you still have a chance. God is still calling you to repentance that you, like me, you, what you deserve is judgment. That's what I deserve. But, as we already said, the gift of God is eternal life. And how do I get that gift? By grace you're saved through faith. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Declared not guilty, no punishment, grace, mercy, forgiveness, your reservation for that final destination in the presence of God. But we see the heart of God in just how he lays this out during the middle of the judgments. 
they choose not to repent. Verse 10, the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness. They gnawed their tongues because of the pain. What is their response? In the middle of the horrific pain, the one person that could relieve them of the pain, and what do they do? They blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl in the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so, they, so that the way of the kings was from the east might be prepared. In other words, it's dry. Now the armies are gathering. Now they're going to come. They saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Remember we said last week, the dragon is Satan. It came out of the mouth of the beast. And remember we said the beast is Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the false prophet, what we termed here are many have termed as the unholy trinity. Next week, we're going to see, so the, the, the Antichrist, he represents one world government. The false prophet is going to rep- represent one world religion. And next week, the next few chapters are going to show that this one world government and this one world religion is going to be destroyed. Guess who's going to destroy it? The Lamb of God. But you've got to come back next week to watch it, all right? You've got to, you've got to come back, okay? And, and next week, Pastor Haley, my dad, he's going to preach for us. I'm excited about that, okay? So come back. Hey, there's no one better qualified to preach on Revelation than my dad. I remember years and years of listening to him teach on the book of Revelation. So come back next week. That's your plug, all right? Dad, you can pay me later for that. All right. (laughs) Verse 14. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth. And the whole world to gather them to battle with the great day of God Almighty. Again, that's what we're going to look at next week. Verse 15. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Okay, this really speaks to More of how he's coming, not when he's coming. Okay, when the time comes for him to come, it's going to happen quickly. And then it says, blessed is he who watches, keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. Remember, this is a reference to Revelation 3, verse 17 and 18. Remember the church at Laodicea? They were full, had need of nothing. And what what was the, the... commentary about them now you're naked you don't even realize it you're spiritually naked and so it's a reference to that verse 16 they gathered them together to the place called in hebrew armageddon also the the word there was was megiddo the valley of megiddo and that that word simply means hill of slaughter verse 17 Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne room, saying, It is done. There were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake has not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine, the fierceness of his wrath. Then every land fled away, and the mountains were found and a great and great hell fell from heaven upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blaspheming God. There's the third time. Because of the plague of hell. Since that plague was exceedingly 
great. So what are the, what are the quickly four points of application today? We've been saying this just about every week. What we believe about the future should impact how we live in the present. Like if we truly believe that in any moment the rapture could take place or Jesus could come back, the events that we're reading could start, what should we do about it? I think there's two things. Well, just let me give you the, these four points. Number one, what do we learn in this? God will judge sin. God is eventually going to judge sin. The second thing we learn, God is justified in his judgment of sin. Okay, we, we heard the angels. We read that. They said, you've been justified. True and righteous are your, your laws, your commands, your punishment, your judgment. Number three, God desires for you to repent. God desires for you to repent. And I think there's possibly two groups of people in here this morning when we think about this statement. God desires for you to repent. For some of you in here this morning, and this would be the category that I would fall into often, is that you're a follower of Jesus. You've given your life to Christ. You're, you're confident in that. You remember the day you did that. And, and you understand that Ephesians says at the moment you gave your life to Christ, you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. You didn't have to earn your salvation. You don't have to keep your salvation. Once you've decided to be a follower of Jesus, he's going to keep you in his hand and nothing can separate from the love of Christ. That, that's you. But potentially, as a follower of Jesus, there's things in your life that are not honoring to God. There's habits, hang-ups, things you watch, things you listen to, people you hang out with, the list could go on and on, right? That you know are not honoring to God. And what does God want you to do? How does God want you to respond? Repent. Confess. The Bible says in 1 John, if, if we confess our sins to the Lord, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Repent to God, confess. James says that if we confess to one another, we, we can have healing. And so you may need to repent to God and you may need to confess to someone in the room. God, I've walked away from you. I need to repent. The other category of person in the room that this may apply to in repentance is that you maybe have never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never confessed that you are a sinner and that you need Jesus. We often share in, in service the ABCs, what we've termed the ABCs of salvation, that you need to admit, yes, I have sinned and my sin separates me from a holy, righteous God. You need to admit that. The second step is that you need to believe that Jesus died for you. John 3.16 says, God so loved you that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, they will not perish. They will have eternal life. That's the reservation for the final destination, eternal life. You need to admit, you need to believe, and then see, you need to confess. Confess that Jesus is the way, 
the truth, and the life. And that the only way to God is through Jesus. I want everyone to close your eyes for a moment. And I want you this morning to acknowledge in your own life, maybe, just maybe, you fall into one of those two categories. There's sin in your life that you need to confess and restore your relationship with God. Or there's somebody in the room that you have never placed your faith, you've never set that reservation for your final destination. And I want to encourage you today, in this moment, right now, would you do that? I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And right where you're seated, you can pray. Whether you're six or 66, right at your seat. It's admitting, it's believing, it's confessing. If you today, in this moment, want to make your reservation for your final destination, would you, would you pray this to the Lord? You may say something like this, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. I confess Jesus is Lord. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to save me. And as our eyes are closed this morning, the lights are already dim. If, if you pray that prayer this morning, would you just put your hand up for a moment? I just want to celebrate with you. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. Just right now, put your hand up. Thank you. There's one. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Another one. Another two there in the back. Anyone else? Just put it up. Another one. Another one. Anybody else? I, I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer today, grab one of those cards in front of you. Get your phone and scan the QR code. Let us know. My wife and I will be in the back in the foyer. Come tell us. Whoever brought you, tell them. Let somebody know today. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. I'm going to be standing right down here. You can come down and tell me right now. I would love to pray with you. For the rest of us, is there sin in your life that you need to deal with? When we stand in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come down to the altar and you talk to God about it. The fourth thing that I didn't give you is this. We need to share God's grace. It's our responsibility to tell people that Jesus loves them and they can have forgiveness. Would you stand with me as I pray? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we acknowledge that you are a good, good father. We acknowledge today, Lord, there is sin in our life and we want to confess that and repent of it to you. God, I pray for those in the room this morning that need to make a decision of confession that you would give them the strength either at their seat or to walk forward to confess. Lord, if there's people in our life, we, you, you just need us to pray about that we would have the boldness to share our faith, that, that we would even commit that today through prayer. For those who've given their life to you today, Lord, we celebrate that. We thank you. We acknowledge that no one comes to salvation except through you and that you have called them to that decision today.
I pray that you'd put people in their life. I pray you'd give them courage that they would tell someone before they leave this building today. And today through song, we are going to acknowledge, Lord, that we need you. We often fall. You're faithful and you are good. Lord, it's in your name we pray.